it's like success and happiness by the way is so intertwined with that idea that if when you're successful then you'll be happy it's like mm. when you find the right job you'll be happy when you have you know seven figures in a bank account you'll yeah. be happy yeah. when you're driving the ferrari 458 spider then you'll be happy yeah and and that's just all bullshit yeah that's it what is. i've learned it right? is actually um happiness is it's a state of mind you know for me if you know if i wake up in the morning and i'm feeling light and i'm feeling i'm not feeling this pressure the heaviness and the stress for me that's happiness whether it's a six figure bank account or a two figure bank account uh, or no bank account no at all we are in account africa at all you know <laughs> i i <laughs> it's it's just you know i think happiness and stress like work hand in hand so that's the truth So today I want to talk to you guys about death. You know death is inevitable and it is something that everyone is faced with, be it your own impending passing or the sudden loss of someone that you love. So often we find ourselves cruising through our lives on autopilot and only when something changes the way we live do we become conscious in our own story. Today I'm joined by Letseko Zulu, author and wife to the late Gugu Zulu, a well-known South African racing legend also known as the fastest brother in Africa. You unfortunately passed away during their couple's adventure summiting Mount Kilimanjaro. Letseko's book I Choose to Live Life After Losing Gugu explores themes of grief and acceptance and tells the tale of her choosing to live life after death. Join us for an emotional, reflective and inspiring episode as we navigate what it means to truly live and heal after sudden and tremendous loss. So without further ado, into the brave and courageous Letseko Zulu. And we're live. Hey guys, welcome back to another cracking installment of the Matt Brown Show. <laughs> uh, it has been a while, or at least it feels uh, like it's been a while since I've had someone awesome in the studio. Oh, so oh. welcome, please. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Julie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about your amazing book, I Choose to Live Life yep. After Losing Gugu. Now, for those of my international viewers... This year book, go and get it. Um, but if for my international viewers who don't know um, kind of what the you know the general context backstory is, yeah, like who was Gugu? I mean, obviously we all know here, but yeah. paint a picture. Who was he? And if, then we can take it from there. Yeah, if um, your international viewers want to know who Gugu is, just go onto Google and type the fastest brother in Africa. <laughs> or it, it literally that belongs to him. That title belongs to him. Type that and you'll get to know who Gugu is. Uh-huh. Um, but Gugu was my husband. Gugu was my soulmate. You know, we were together for 15 and a half years. He was, a, you know, racing driver champion, um, you know, on tar, I mean, on circuit, sorry, um, and off-road as well. Mm. He was an all-round amazing guy that was loved by so many people. And, uh, yeah, so the backstory around, um, you know, me writing this book um, actually came from when we decided to go on yet one of those bucket list adventures that we had. We were known as the adventure couple um, by a lot of our friends, and uh, this was one of our adventures, and unfortunately it didn't end as we had envisioned. Mm. I came back alone. Um, well, I came back with him, but he was in a coffin and I was it's as I am today. Yeah. So, yeah. Which is... As we were touched on before we actually went live, it's a very brave exercise that you've done. I mean, I don't know where one finds the strength to write about something so deeply personal. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
and you never also i suppose it's cathartic in many respects very you know very. but finding the voice like what's the voice who is the voice and how does one express that on something that's yeah. so deeply personal yeah so i'm i'm a, I'm a storyteller i mm. love talking to people um and genuinely like i'm one of those people that just loves sharing and imparting knowledge onto people mm. and um yes this did need bravery you know it took me 2 years to write this book he's been gone for 3 years now and um part of the reason why i did this was number 1 for the past 2 years i've had so many people inboxing me on social media sending me emails for those that eventually found my email address somewhere and they've pretty much been bombarding me with questions like how on earth do you manage to just pick up the pieces and continue living life when the love of your life was ripped out of your life you know so instantly how, where do you get the will to just continue to just pick up the pieces and and continue to live life i've done so many corporate talks so many motivational talks and eventually i said you know what let me just put it down into this mm, what what the book in, you know what the book is now and um it it's also part of you know the reason that i've i've realized that grief is something that people don't speak about loss is something that people don't speak about how they pick up the pieces is something that people don't speak about it seems taboo and that's also part of the reason why i decided to write the book yeah you don't exactly want to talk about death on a saturday night nobody does you know nobody I mean? does but it's part of life right mm, it's a absolutely. cycle of life Yeah. We're all born and we're all going to depart this world. Mm-hmm. Um no one knows when. Mm-hmm. As humans we have this dream that we'll live till 100, but hey, could be tomorrow. Exactly. You only have today. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah it's funny. It's like when you're born your death's intimately woven into that Absolutely. event. Absolutely. And and unfortunately it seems like our minds don't seem to want to wrap themselves mm. around this idea of death mm. but it is a cycle of life and the sooner we learn to deal with it and handle it and almost accept it the more we're going to be able to reap the benefits out of life mm. those of us that are still here yeah but when you get stuck in this dark hole and you you know put a pause on your life and you you know I'm not being judgmental towards anyone I decided to write my book you know my story um and There's life to be lived, you know. The truth of the matter is, if you bury your loved one on a Saturday, like most black people do in this country, come the Monday, the market's open. Life goes on. Mm. The clock keeps ticking. It actually never stops ticking. So there's life to be lived, and it's either you're gonna halt and not live, which I think. But that's the irony, right? Most people aren't fully alive. Yeah, you most know? people and aren't present. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, the thing that's interesting about um, you know, Gugu specifically is that he 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 truly did live. Yeah. Like he was the first black, you know, African like racing car driver. Like yeah. he inspired um many others out there to live life fully, yeah. you know. Even the adventure couple if you bring that into your personal relationship and your yeah. marriage versus even this book now. Yeah. You know, they're all expressions of someone or a couple at least when you were together uh as being fully alive. Absolutely. You know, and the but the the fucking thing is though is that most people aren't. Yeah. A lot of people are functioning on autopilot mm. and um you know allowing the days to just 
breeze on by mm. and uh, one day something happens to them and, you know, they eventually wake up or they don't, you know, then they face their death. And that's the unfortunate part of it. Um, yeah, a lot of people literally are just skating through life. Mm-hmm. I actually write about this in uh, this here book here. You should go and get it, guys. Yeah. It's called uh, You're yeah, In A you Game. Should. You should. Go and look at it right there. Hello. By Matt Brown. This guy here hosting the show. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Uh, available nationwide, you can go and get that now. But um, but actually, one of the chapters in the book is by, um, or there's the, basically the premise of the book is all around principles. You know, yep. how do you become a high impact entrepreneur? How do you become someone that is fully alive? Mm. And I explore that uh, with uh, Robin Wheeler. I don't know whether he, he's also an author. Okay. He's written quite a few books. Mm. Um, his book was uh, hilariously entitled Death is the Ultimate Orgasm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I must read that. <laughs> okay, add it to the list. But um but he um he's a he writes about this whole idea of, of to in order to, to live life fully you have to be conscious of your death. Yes. And you know, what do you want people to say about you when you are dead or yeah. at your funeral on the day of your funeral what are they going to say yeah. about about you well yeah. you know she inspired others she wrote this book she left a legacy she yeah. was a fantastic mom she became someone that inspired you know a nation or whatever yeah. the story is yeah. um and because it is all about becoming no, absolutely i mean yeah. i often say to people and they think i'm crazy say to them guys when i get to heaven one day i want to skate in <laughs> and find an audience of people waiting to hear about all my adventures on earth so <laughs> <laughs> that's literally <laughs> what I say to people. You know, that's why I get up and I go and I just go and do all these crazy and amazing things, mm-hmm. even after cooks. Well, I want to get into that. So, yeah. so just remind me to come back there uh, if we do get detoured. But um, but let's talk about the actual story itself because yeah. I think you know you're a storyteller, we're a storytelling <laughs> business. <laughs> this podcast is all about telling stories. Yeah. So. Um, so you were the adventure couple. You you guys were obviously you know very well known celebrities. Yeah. One could definitely make a case for. Yeah. Um, and so walk us through, you know, the moments when you decided you wanted to go and do this trip. Like why did you why, as a as a couple yeah. why did you decide to do it? Yeah. So Kilimanjaro was always on our bucket list. We have a very long list, and I'm still here to you know, enjoy the rest of that list. But uh, so Kili was probably on our list for a good three years um, at, you know, by the time we eventually made the decision to go. And um, this was, you know, when we made the decision to finally go and climb it, I think our daughter was probably about four months old and uh, we were, we went to Westcliff stairs. Um, Google used to shoot exercise videos on me and, or of me. And, um, while we were on the West, uh, Westcliff stairs shooting this video, we bumped into the CEO of the Nelson Mandela Foundation, Silo Hatang, mm-hmm. who is a good old friend of mine. And uh, at that time, Silo was preparing to go and climb Kilimanjaro. This is in 2015. And he told us about the cause that he was climbing for, which is called Caring for Girls. What Caring for Girls does is um, they essentially raise funds for sanitary towels for girls in disadvantaged areas because these girls without sanitary towels can miss up to 50 days of school a year. Now, that was news to both of us. We were shocked. Mm. Um, as new parents to a girl, we sat there thinking, good heavens, imagine 10 years down the line, we are both not here and our child you know, doesn't have the funds to buy sanitary Sanitary towels. This is a good cause to support. Let's go climb Kilimanjaro in 2016 for this cause to raise funds and awareness, um, you know, as two people mm. that essentially have a voice in the public. 
And that was the motivation behind going to climb Kilimanjaro in the following year in 2016. Um, and of course, you know, Gugu got sick and um, we had to descend the mountain and unfortunately we lost him. Mm. That's the summary of it all. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, I know you've obviously spoken about this and now you've written it. I mean, what's the, is there an untold angle or, or story to the trip itself that you want to talk about? So it was, there was untold angles up until now, mm. you know, obviously, you know, with him being loved by so many people three years ago, when I came back home with him in a coffin, I was faced with media interviews galore. Mm. Everybody wanted to know what happened. And I essentially kept the story to myself and I just kept it on the surface. And what you now read in this book from the first word in chapter one till I think chapter five, that's predominantly what happened on the mountain. Mm. Step by step, I literally take people through the journey and I tell it in a, in a way that it sounds like you're, we're both sitting on my couch and I'm just telling you the story. Mm. Walk us through. So for those of us who haven't had the opportunity yet to read your book yeah. or maybe have only read like the headline and saw something on social yeah. media and don't yeah. really know the full story for yeah. their benefit, yeah. walk us through like, you know, the days that this carried across and like some of the, the things that actually happened there that led to the tragedy. Yeah. So, um, you know, Gugu experienced post-nasal drip, which is a normal thing in our household. We all mm. have sinus issues. And when I say all, I mean myself, him and our daughter. So it was a normal thing, you know, and we self-medicate. Our, do uh, our doctor has taught us the, the basics that we need to, you know, ensure that we don't have recurring post-nasal drip. And, um, so leaving for Kilimanjaro on the 13th of July in 2016, he had a little bit of post-nasal drip, nothing too hectic, you know. He was a little bit sluggish, um, wasn't his energetic self, you know, mm. the, the energetic Gugu that everybody knows, but he was still there, he was still present. And, um, you know, I said to him as somebody that's essentially in the medical background because I'm a, bi I'm a qualified biokineticist, I said to him, I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm not a doctor, but we are traveling with a doctor. Um, and she has been assigned to the team. Mm. So please do me a favor, speak to the doctor and tell her what it is that you're feeling and, you know, get her opinion. And that's what he did for all the days. Every single day, I kept on sending him back to the doctor. And, um, you know, he was self-medicating. He got one or two things from, from her. And unfortunately, on the fourth day, when we were heading towards um, base camp, which is Kibo, that is the third camp um, before you get to Uhuru, which is the summit, he was so exhausted that um, the doctor felt the need to give him a drip, mm. one of those uh, vitamin B type, you know, drips that should ultimately give you more energy. But instead of getting more energy, he actually fell into a very deep sleep. And, um, you know, late that night at about 9 p.m., not to give away too much of the story, mm. um, I discovered him not breathing, um, you know, the majority of the camp was fast asleep. Everybody was going to wake up at about 10.30 to start preparing for the ascent up to Uhuru because you start summit night at about 11 o'clock or so. And um, the emergency was called at about 9 o'clock. She resuscitated him. We put him on a stretcher, and that was when our trip down the mountain pretty much began. 
From 9 p.m. till 5 o'clock in the morning, we were a group of about six of us with two headlamps and the moon to guide our way down this treacherous rocky mountain. Um, you know, I still say till today that it's, it's a miracle that none of the rest of us in the team guiding him down the mountain didn't get hurt because the terrain is not friendly. Especially in the dark. Absolutely not. And, um, you know, we tried by all means. Typically, um, when you are climbing a mountain like Kilimanjaro, you, the lower you get when you're descending the mountain, the better you should feel, mm. um, you know, when you descend altitude. And um, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. It was a little bit too late. The, um, yeah, the call could have been made a little bit earlier, but mm. unfortunately, um, yeah. It was what was going late. what was going through your mind when you were descending Kili at that stage in the night? You know, yeah. Gugu obviously being unconscious. Yeah, or what were you thinking? You know, Matt, I am one person that's very hopeful. I I am a I'm not a pessimist. I'm an optimist, and I literally clutched onto hope the entire way down. Even when we got to the hospital, you know, he not once did he open his eyes. He was essentially sleeping. Um, in inverted commas, the entire way. Um, I, you'll read in the book that shortly after we started the descent, we we stopped and I checked his heart rate, all his pulse. And initially, you know, the one right by the neck didn't feel a thing. And I decided, okay, let me go check by the wrists. And by the time I got to the wrist, I was like, oh, there's a Fitbit, you know, and it gives a heart rate. So, the yeah, I think... I was guarding a lot mm. because I knew that we were in an emergency, but I didn't want to invest my, myself and my emotions into the emergency. I clutched onto hope. Mm. The Fitbit gave, gave us a reading. It gave us a heart rate reading. But you know how the body shuts down very slowly when you're dying? Mm. Um, well, I don't know if you know, but the body shuts down very slowly. And um, yeah, I, um, I had the guides give me the Fitbit reading every now and then, every time we stopped for a breather because Googs wasn't the, the lightest of people to carry. So mm. we had to stop periodically um, on the descent. And um, yeah, I literally, I'm glad that I guarded my emotions and didn't attach my emotions to the situation while still on the mountain because I think they would have had two patients to take off the mountain. Yeah. So I say, I still say thank goodness for that device around his wrist mm. for giving us a false reading, if that's what it was, because that got me safely off the mountain. Um, it's funny because these people wouldn't trust that. People I mean? wouldn't. I chose to. Do you know what I mean? I chose to. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, you know, there's three different ways to check a pulse on someone's body. Mm. And... Um, because we also weren't traveling with the doctor down the mountain, we had to DIY this entire thing. Sorry, but where were the doctors, though? There was only one doctor traveling with us, and, and she they remained. At remained the, really? She and remained. She just went, cheers, you guys down there. She went, cheers. She was on her own personal journey as well. Uh, her son was also climbing, so that okay. was their bucket list to tick, and it was uh, unfortunate. Mm. Yeah. Um, so... Firstly, I don't know, it sounds kind of cliche, but sorry for your loss. Thank you. Um, I think it's very brave what you just being here today. Is, yep. It takes a huge amount of courage. Yep. Um, where does that come from? 
Gosh, um, it comes from my gran. It comes from my mom. These are two women that lost their better halves many, many years ago. I think my grandfather passed away when my mom was about four or five years old. My dad passed away when I was three years old. Um, you know, and these women have literally been able to just, you know, lift up their chins mm. and continue living life. So I think it definitely comes from that. I've got uh, an uncle and two aunts that also lost their significant others. Um, you know, touch wood that it doesn't happen if I get married again. <laughs> it's unfortunate that our daughter lost her dad just mm. after her first birthday. Mm. So this timeline just keeps getting shorter and shorter. Goodness me. Mm. But um, yeah, I definitely think I draw my strength and my resilience and all of those good things from definitely my mom and my gran. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there. I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top, you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up. It's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Um, let's talk about acceptance mm. because for at least what I've learned from speaking to others who have lost and gone through just crazy, crazy things yeah. that, you know, um, are oftentimes, by the way, beyond your control. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that freaks me out mm-hmm. completely. It's like, you know, if you, if, if you smashed your car because you were drunk. Like that's in your control. Yeah. But if someone smashed into you and you were completely stone cold sober and that person was drunk and that was beyond your control and like let's say, you know, you couldn't walk again or whatever the case is. Yeah. It's the same accident. It's just one was in your control and the other one wasn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that for me would drive me nuts. It still mm. does to this day when things don't go your way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But you have to learn to accept reality. What have you learned about the power of acceptance? So – I don't know. I think I'm a weird child <laughs> purely because, you know, from a very young age, and I used to have these conversations with my mom when I was a, when I was a kid, there's a Bible verse. I'm, I'm, I don't know a lot. I'll be honest with you preach, in the Bible, sister. but um, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not about to preach. I'm Someone the last person. A Bible. <laughs> I'm not about to preach, but there is one Bible verse. Um, um, it's in Ecclesiastes chapter three, and I've actually got it in my book. And uh, that verse talks about there's a time for everything. There's a time for death. There's a time for birth. There's a time for tears. There's a time for smiles. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and I used to have, going back to the conversations I used to have with my mom at a young age, and she used to actually get upset with me. And I said to her, but it's in the Bible, you know. I remember the one time we were driving to school and we're listening to the news and they, this is many years ago, I think there was a, a bus crash, a school bus crash in Neisner 
and a number of kids passed away. And I said, well, that's, that's really sad, but it was their time. And she got upset with me. And I said, but who said we are all going to live until 100? Who said we're all going to live until 50? Only God knows. Your little black book of life is written the day you are born. We we never get to see it. But if you are meant to live until you are 10, then that's your journey. Mm. So for me, when, you know, I've had people say to me, oh, but you must have been angry at God and you must have, but I can't be angry at God. But surely you were a little bit pissed off at something. Maybe I can guess who you might have been pissed off with, but I'm talking philosophically, (laughs) philosophically though, about the reality that you found yourself in. Yeah. You um, couldn't have just been like, okay, well, you know, hey. No, of course not. I mean, yeah. it hurt. Yeah. It, it hurt. It, it cut really deep. Mm. But, you know, I sat there and I thought to myself, being angry is not going to bring him back. I'm just going to go around in circles asking questions. Why? Why him? Why now? He had so much that he had planned for. Who's going to answer those questions? I'm going to end up going around in circles. And I'm a realist. There's life to be lived. Mm. I loved him to bits. But you know what? We had an amazing 15 and a half years. I was, he was gifted to me for 15 and a half years. And I'll forever cherish that. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, going back to courage. Yep. So have you found, I mean, obviously the media must have been like a bunch of, <laughs> you know, what's my saying? Stop. <laughs> Speed crazed wolverines <laughs> trying to get at you. That's a very nice way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you deal with the media? And what have you learned about courage when it comes to owning one's story? You know, there's one thing, there's so many lessons that I learned from Googs a lot. And he often used to say, don't be afraid to be selfish with yourself. So I was selfish with the media. I summarized what happened. I literally, I mean, I treated them with, with gloves, yes, but I, because the media can make or break you. Um, I told them as much as I felt I wanted to, but I've been selfish with the story for all this time because I wanted to process it. It's not my story, but actually I experienced this entire thing. Mm. And I wanted to be okay with it fully before I fully share it. So how does one do yeah. that though? I mean, obviously <laughs> you've had an incredibly overwhelmingly positive response from people who've also, you know, lost others. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that's great. But how does one do it? Like without having, I'm trying to basically paint the picture of people who've been there and done that. Yeah. Versus those who've never had to, thankfully, you know, be in that situation. Yeah. And try and get them to really understand how to grow as a result of loss like this. Jeez, man. Um, sure. It, it, honestly, it was the most painful thing ever. And um, I think I, I, I literally would take it back to that whole thing of don't be afraid to be selfish. Don't be afraid to be on your own journey. I needed to be on this journey by myself process it, talk about it as much as I could. I don't know how many of my friends have sat down and listened to the story because this story literally takes me a good three hours to tell from start to finish. 
It's a big story. It's a big story. It's a big story. And that was part of my healing process. Um, I could have done that with the media from the get-go, but I wanted to be okay with it. I wanted to process it at my own pace. Even when I started writing the book two years ago, I didn't tell my, my publisher. I only told her literally six months ago. Really? Yep. And she said to me, you're too late for a book that you want out, you know, in July. And I said to her, well, I want to launch this book on the third anniversary of losing him. Yeah, make it happen. Make it happen. Yeah. Of course, it required a lot of hard work from my side or from both of, of course, us. But yeah. that was my goal. Um, I always finish what I start and I made it happen. Mm. Um, what's, what kind of legacy are you hoping that this would leave behind? Gosh, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a healer. Um, I just hope that my story will help other people understand that life will always throw challenges at you. I've faced many other challenges besides losing Googs, mm. but life literally will throw all kinds of curveballs and challenges at you. But the trick is how you get up, you dust yourself off, and you continue. What do you say to someone, just change the context for a moment, yeah. if you say to someone who has potential, is, in the, is right now listening to us, and you know, obviously my audience being a lot of business owners, mm. but who can't get it to work. They're like in the trenches taking grenades and they're hurting. And they're like, they don't see the wood through the trees. Everything's black. There's no white. Um, and they're looking for some words of hope and inspiration. What would you like to say to that person? Step out of the situation. You know when you have, like for example, right now I'm holding a, um, a cappuccino in my hand. If you're in the cappuccino, you can't, it, it can be cloudy and you can't see. Take a moment to just step out, have a look at the cappuccino, assess it. Assess where the problems are and try and fix it from that angle. Mm. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. It does. Um, it's like when you're stuck inside the bottle, you can't read the label. Exactly. When you are stuck in that dark hole of mourning, whatever it may be, step out. Look at yourself in there and ask yourself where you want to go. You know, when I did that with this particular challenge in my life, I said to myself, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. There's life to be lived. Do I really want to be stuck in here? What am I going to do to get myself out of this dark hole? What do you talk to corporates about in the context of your keynotes around this subject? Oh, it's usually based on what they want to achieve, you know. Um, I, 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 I tend to circle it around the whole thing of exactly what I just said a few moments ago, that life is full of challenges. There are challenges in the workplace. But there are also so many solutions out there if you look for them. Mm. And that's typically what I what I focus on how to because a lot of people you. get stuck. Yeah. A lot of people get stuck and they don't know how to move forward. It's a funny thing that, eh? Yeah. I'll give you a silly example yeah. of a very silly challenge that I, that I encountered. So a few months after Google passed away, we've got a, a one year old, right? Um, well, at that time there was a, there came a time when she hated being dressed for school in the morning. Because I, I threw her straight into, into preschool. I, I couldn't handle grief and a one-year-old and you know what I mean. 
but she hated being undressed and redressed and face washed and all of that in the morning. And it was a constant fight. And she's a little strong Zulu girl. She's, she's, she's physical. And I'm a, I'm a softie. So I'm getting punched and I'm getting slapped and I'm getting kicked every single morning. And it's just, it's generally stressful, you know. And then I pulled myself out of that situation one day. And I said, okay, when, what, when is it does she not mind being undressed, redressed, you know, face touched and all of that? And I was like, oh, boom. In the evening, she doesn't mind bath time. So what did I start doing? I started getting her dressed in her school clothes after bath time in the evening. So come the morning, she's ready for school. <coughs> Solution. So do you see what I yeah, mean I when I say life? It can be whatever challenge. <laughs> It literally gave me whatever challenge. Yeah. Find a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. I don't want stress in my life. So <laughs> you dress yourself, goddammit. <laughs> no, I, once or twice I took her to school in pajamas and I was like, oh, shucks, you know, these parents are going to look at me like an incompetent mom, you know? And I was like, you know what? I'm actually going to put her in these tights and tops and, you know, socks mm. and all of that mm. at night. And that's how she's going to sleep. Who's going to know the difference come the morning? So. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you can apply that to anything and everything in life. Look at the problem. Step out of it. It's powerful words, those. Speaking yep. of words, let's do quote of the day. Walk yep. us through this one. Happiness is a state of mind, a choice, a way of living. I chose this purely because I choose to be happy, you know, despite the challenges, despite the pain, despite the loss. Happiness is just this light Thing. It's this bright light. It's this, uh, yeah. I love smiling. I love laughing. That's me. Yeah. You know what? I think uh, <laughs> people seem to misconstrue what happiness means, though. Um, it's like success. What does that mean? Oh, no. I, I don't you know. know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. What the That's hell is deep. that? <laughs> what is that? It's like um, um, a friend of mine said to me, Oh, you must be really proud of your book. And I was like, I'm not proud of it at all. Like, I mean, part of me wants to say I'm proud, but I deliberately yeah. choose not to because I understand what motivates me. Yeah. Because I'm already thinking about the second one. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like success and happiness, by the way, is so intertwined with that idea that if when you're successful, then you'll be happy. It's like mm. when you find the right job, you'll be happy. When you have, you know, seven figures in a bank account, you'll yeah. be happy. Yeah. When you're driving the Ferrari 458 Spider, then you'll be happy. Yeah. And, and that's just all bullshit. Yeah. That's it what is. I've learned. It right? is actually. Um, happiness is, it's a state of mind. You know, for me, if, you know, if I wake up in the morning and I'm feeling light and I'm feeling, I'm not feeling this pressure, the heaviness and the stress. For me, that's happiness. Whether it's a six-figure bank account or a two-figure bank account. Uh, or no bank account or no at all. We are in account Africa. at all. You know, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> it's, it's just, you know, I think happiness and stress like work hand in hand. But that's the truth. What you just said there. Yeah. It's like pick your struggle, dude. Pick your struggle. You know what I mean? Like you're only ever going to have challenge. Like you, to, to your point, you're only ever going to have challenges. Yeah. So either you're going to have the challenge of like working in a corporate job that you hate. Yeah. And playing the political game and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And being, you know, suckered for a salary every month. Exactly. I don't know well. if you said that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> or, <laughs> or you're going to pick the struggle of being a business owner. Yeah. Or you're going to pick the struggle of, uh, you know, writing a book yeah. or not. Yeah. You know, you're going to, it's, it's, but your happiness is, 
is embedded in that struggle. Yeah. So you have to work out like what kind of problems you like solving. It's yeah. like, you know, it's it's writing a book. I don't know what it was like for you, but it was bloody awful for me. Like mm. it took nine months to write a single word. Oh wow! After signing the deal. Yeah. Nine months. Yeah. Because I couldn't figure out in my head what it is that you want to get across yeah. and also it's like this uh, there's this imposter syndrome thing i don't know whether you had that i suppose yours maybe not Mm-mm. so much um but because i kept it secret you have kept it secret right <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't want the pressure pressure for what what pressure exactly yeah no, no you don't sign the deal you. and then <laughs> start writing <laughs> you had come the book. on learn I a know. thing or two from me <laughs> yeah i know i'm learning about it but um but this whole eight your point i love that quote you know it, it is a state of mind and your state of mind comes from solving the problems that you love solving yeah, yeah exactly you know what I mean? exactly with with no pressure at your own time it's your own journey you mm. know um i don't know whether i'd still be alive by the time i finished the book but hey because you never, tomorrow is not guaranteed to anyone. That's true. Tomorrow is not guaranteed to anyone. So if you're still sitting there and you're like, when I get that 5 million rand in my bank account, I'll be happy. Uh, are you going to get there? What have you learned about purpose, by the way? No, that's, how a, is, how, geez, that's a deep question. I know, how has your North Star <laughs> shifted? Where from like, you know, because it's like you were the adventure couple. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And now you're... I'm you're an like, adventure woman. You're an adventure woman, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> adventure mom. You like a Marvel character around that. <laughs> yeah, actually. A single, <laughs> a, single mar- a single, adventure mom. I must get one of those caricature people to like draw one of you. Yeah, exactly. Like. <laughs> well, we can do that. Yeah, sure. action <laughs> But I mean, wh- what have you learned, legit, about purpose? Gosh, um, that, that life is what you make of it. You can have those people around you, but if you are going to attach living to everyone else around you, then, or, or, you know, are you going to have purpose when those people are not there? I, I don't know if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, it does. Your purpose can't be linked inextricably to anything outside of yourself. Yeah. Because the truth of the matter is you are the only person you have to be with every single day of your life. So yeah. that's another thing. People, it's like when I find my purpose or my passion or whatever. Mm. It's like you, that's also a farce, you know, if, at least and I also write about this, not like exo- like what's the word at length, but certainly mm. the points landed where it's about, you have to be at cause, not at effect. So it's about mm. creating something yeah. through adversity, which is yeah. what you've done. But also just being open to life. Yeah. You know, um, talking about the journey of life. I mean, I, I went from going to varsity to going to work for a corporate for one year and thinking, what the hell am I doing here? To running my own biokinetics practice for five years and thinking, gosh, I could be doing more with my life and touching more lives. Closed the practice, you know, started a, a health and fitness business where I'm touching at least 300 people's lives at a time. And now I'm sitting there thinking, gosh, I could be, I could be doing more with my life. You know, so do you ever <laughs> find purpose? <laughs> Write a book. Okay, that's done now. Box ticked. What next? But so. That's the that's to your point. That's about being open, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got to be open. Seeing to what's next. Exactly. Maybe you should start a podcast. Maybe I should. There you go. Thank you, Matt Brown. <laughs> <laughs> you sh- you should totally do that. I think Africa needs more voices mm. like yours. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I really mean that sincerely. Thank you. You know, strong black African woman mm. and 
that, you know, despite what life throws at you in just the most horrific circumstances, yeah. that you can overcome, you yeah. know, and, and so your story is an inspiring one. Thank you. So I hope that if you're listening out there that you're feeling inspired. <laughs> I hope so too. Last question for you. Why do you do what you do now? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, what gets me out of bed every single morning is, I think, I'm not out there to change lives, but I'm there to make an impact in the world, some kind of impact. So I hope this book makes impact in people's lives. I hope my health and fitness business makes an impact in people's lives. The charity work that I do, you know, I was driving through Joburg CBD yesterday. My heart shattered into pieces because I saw how people are living worse than rats. And I sat there thinking, what can I do? I just want to make an impact in people's lives and my own, by the way. I come first. Mm -hmm. But by making an impact in other people's lives, it impacts my life too. Mm -hmm. You're the one that benefits the most, eh? Absolutely. Les Ekozuri, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you so awesome. much, Matt. Round of applause, please, guys. Yeah. This edition of the Map Round Show is brought to you by networkspace.co.za. In fact, our studios are here in building number four at Network Space up in Johannesburg. These guys have made us a huge deal, have really bent over backwards to give us the kind of service that most exciting businesses deserve. If you want more information about Network Space, you can actually come and check out our studio. We are always open to meet new entrepreneurs and business owners from around the country, and you can do that right here at networkspace.coza. Thanks for checking out the Map Round Show, guys. And if you'd like to get the Kung Fu put in your ninja, check out digitalkungfu.co.za. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients clients haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an x.com.